Marcus steps up and buries it. This will be a wonderful goal. You're listening to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello, welcome to the ESPN Footy Pod. We are back to talk about week one of finals and what an unbelievable week of footy it was. There were upsets, there were huge scores, there were uh, some fun fan interactions as well. So there was heaps to talk about and we absolutely can't wait to dissect all of it. Before we do, we want to quickly acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri, Gadigal and Bunurong people and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode and for the first time this season, you've got all four members of the AFLW ESPN footy pod. So it's me, Marissa Lodanik, Imogen Evans, Isadora McClay and Sarah Burt. So girlies, first of all, how exciting that all four of us are like on at the same time. It's It hasn't happened yet. And I love that we've finally made it work during final because I feel like it's the best time for it to have worked. Um, but yeah, what a ridiculous week of footy. Like... We were. T- I said to you guys before we started recording, all I said was footy, good, and that felt like the most appropriate kind of explanation. But like I said, we had plenty of good, interesting results to talk about, so we'll quickly run through them. We had Brisbane beating the Crows by two points on Saturday. Sydney then followed, it, followed that up by defeating the Suns to win their first ever final, which is an unbelievable story. And then on Sunday we had Geelong beating the Bombers, which I think was a bit of a bit of a surprise. And then the biggest surprise of the weekend was North Melbourne just absolutely dismantling the Demons. So I think we need to. We'll start at the start. We'll leave the um the biggest game for last. But let's talk about the absolute ridiculousness that was Brisbane v Adelaide. We all know that when they meet, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good a good contest and it feels like they delivered once again. Um, Imogen, when we spoke last weekend previewing this game, you were like, I'm going to tip, I'm pretty sure you said I'm going to tip the Lions. So how are you feeling that you were right for starters? And what did you see in this game? How did the Lions actually manage to get this win? It's always good to get get something right, isn't it? Um but I honestly think it's just their relentless pressure. I think any team that comes up against Brisbane, and I've probably said it 500 million times, you're always nervous because the amount of pressure they put on the football and the footy carrier, it's insane and it's a lot to deal with. And I think that's how they ended up getting on top of the Crows at the end of the day. Sarah, we again, just like it's become such a rivalry in AFLW, like the Lions and the Crows, and this has just added another kind of chapter to this game. Who impressed you from both sides? Because there were some standout performers across the park. Yeah, there certainly were. Um, look, I think in general, um, Brisbane, we have so much conversation about Adelaide Crows being this dynasty and, um, you know, they're them just um, being the best team in the history of AFLW. And we know that to be true, but I think something that's really exciting about Brisbane is that, um, you know, they've 
they're not in the grand final every year, pretty much like the Adelaide Crows. They're not um, they're not talked about as much as the Adelaide Crows are, yet they're still right up there. They've still managed this consistency um, for so many seasons. But I think one thing that really, um, I mean, it, for me, it's obvious who starred in the Adelaide Crows. We know um, Eb Marinoff, um, we know Anne Hatchard, um, they've both been named in the All-Australian and they've both had very consistent seasons as always really they and I don't know how old they both are just as a side note but they've both neither of them have slowed down ever um, which is amazing but um, I think what um, surprised me about the Brisbane Lions is um, and as Imo said like just how much they could take it up to um, to the Crows um, in terms of individual players, um, and I'm sure she will tell you about it. Um, Dakota Davidson, um, is obviously, um, a bit of a game changer for them. Not, not always consistent in my opinion, but has certainly come out and, um, and played really well, particularly in the final. But, um, I think, I mean, it's pretty hard to pick just one, to be honest, because um, the when you look at both these teams, the depth in both of them, particularly in um, their defensive and forward line, is um, immense. So it's pretty hard to separate them, as we can see from the two points. Um, but interestingly, in this game, it was the only one where um, both teams both teams led at some break. All the other games, it was pretty one-sided and um, the winning team led at every break. So for me, that's that's the goal for finals footy. That's You want that, you want the excitement, you want the close margins. Um, and they both these teams have experience in finals and they obviously were really ready to take it up to that. 100% they were. It was just yet. Yeah ridiculous game ridiculous pressure is I'm interested what did you kind of like what did you see and I suppose throwing forward a little bit like how much will this week break benefit the Lions and how do Adelaide kind of approach now a semi-final coming up this week yeah um I think it was one of my favorite games of the weekend um it was just such a good game to watch and it kind of felt like a grand final preview but Obviously, there's other teams who can also make the grand final. But um, I, was, I just found it so interesting that um, Adelaide had probably, like, they had top six in, like, disposals and getting the ball and just shows that Brisbane worked really well as a team. They don't necessarily need to get the most disposals. They just have such a good game plan in place and they know how to win those close as well. And I think also their last few weeks, they've had a few tough games. So I think this week off will really um, help them. And... Um, yeah, so Adelaide's back in Adelaide that um, I think they'll definitely have a point to prove against Sydney and I get, yeah, it'll be a good lesson, I think. It definitely will be. So we'll obviously talk about the semifinals coming up a little bit later, but we'll move on to the second game on Saturday, which I feel like it was a big surprise, Sydney getting up over Gold Coast. Um I had really liked what Gold Coast were kind of building and doing through the season, and that's not to knock the Swans, but it felt like they um, had scraped into the eight and that was going to kind of then translate in their finals performances, but they were 
unbelievable. Like, they were so good to watch. Um, Chloe Malloy was an absolute phenomenon. Laura Gardner was able to shake off Lucy Singles' tag, which I think was absolutely massive for her. They were able to overcome the loss of Beck Privatelli early in the first quarter as well. Um, so there was just a lot to like about Sydney. And I just want to drop a quick stat before I ask you guys about your opinions. But they're the first ever team in like VFL, AFL, AFLW history, like the history of the game to go winless one season and then win a final the next. Because it's just an unbelievable turnaround to get from literally the bottom of the ladder into finals and actually winning finals. So what worked for Sydney? Why were they so good? Sarah, I'll go to you first. Why were they so good? How did they manage this win? Yeah, it's ama- it's an amazing story and it's the best part for me um, of this final series so far and just the emotion that you saw all of them have, coach and players included, um, you just know how much it means to them. But I think, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of work done pre-season. They've really shaken up their list. Um, but also, and I'd, uh, we know, I don't like to um, attribute it to just what just one player, um, but Chloe Malloy has been a really important insertion for them. Um, probably leadership, definitely leadership-wise um, and game-wise, but um, she's been very much prolific for them. Sorry, there's a plane going over if you can hear that. Um, very much prolific for them. Um, I also think that there is something to be said for going into a final with zero expectation, which is exactly right because um, none of us expected that result at all. Um, and they just came through and did it, I think, to go in, throw caution to the wind and um, just release expectations and just focus on playing your best footy. I think um, obviously it worked for them and um, we know that finals is a different brand to the home and away season. It's a a totally different brand of footy. So um, for them to just play like that, it's very impressive mentally as much as it is physically. Is I'm going to go to you as our like New South Wales person. I know you are not a Swans person by any means, but like what impressed you about the Swans and I suppose just what they've been able to do this season, I keep harping on about it, but the turnaround, like why have they been so good? Who really stood up and said we're in finals and we're not just here to make up numbers, we're here to actually do stuff and get wins? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, adding a lot of experience to their list um, and also their younger players stepping up, I guess, like really having a really good season and also doing this also without their main ruck, Ali Morfitt, really says something themselves as she's been out for the season. But like a player like Tanya Kennedy, who was picked up and she had like 22 touches and was able to shut down Gold Coast, a very strong Gold Coast midfield, Um but, yeah, it was really remarkable. And I think also an underrated player who doesn't get spoken as much as clearly is Lucy McAvoy. I think she's had a really brilliant year. And her two goals in that game, um, just when I think Gold Coast were catching up, really stood out to me. McAvoy was really important. With Privatelli having to exit early, they needed a little bit more up forward and she was able to provide that. So that was really important. Imo, what did you like? What impressed you? Did you enjoy watching this game? Like, have you, I'm very much someone who gets swept up in like the narrative. So I'm there like not a a Sydney supporter, but I'm like, look at the girlies go. Like, 
good for them. Like, are you kind of feeling the story and the history of the swans in this weird kind of way? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a contradiction seeing as Sydney crushed our finals hopes round nine. But I was on the Sydney train and I think, yeah, the story of the side makes the whole game more compelling to watch. And I also just believe Chloe Malloy is an entertainer as much as she is a footballer. And I think she does a lot for the sport in bringing eyes, really. Um, so um, it's entertaining. And I guess with this finals kind of football, that everyone, every team's presenting some level of high quality footy that, you know, your average footy supporter can watch and enjoy. I'm glad you mentioned the banter on the field because um, it – it went everywhere on social media. Um, Chloe Malloy's lining up to take a shot. Some fan, a Gold Coast fan, heckles her from the crowd. He starts yelling, two, four, six, eight, you can't kick straight. So not only does she go back, nail the goal, but she hits him with two, four, six, eight, and a fifth special gesture that um, you can use your imagination as to what the, the last gesture was. It wasn't another number. Um, but we were talking about it, just the coordination to like know what to do with your fingers and make sure that you didn't stuff that up in that moment of like needing to deliver and needing to look cool and actually like answer the critic, answer the hater. We were very impressed by that. Um, it was so good. She must have had to have practised that because it's like it's actually... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do it. This isn't a visual medium. <laughs> you said though that you were. Yeah. Well, also though, and it was very hard. I was because I was like, it's hard. Just and or, like, I just want to make a go to start on one as well. Or, like, do it anyway. Yeah, I keep forgetting that this is not. But it was a yeah, and it was medium. straight after but she did the goal. Literally. I couldn't think of that. She'd obviously planned it, and I reckon she would have practiced she- beforehand as well because like we hear that heckle a lot. Mm. So she must have been like, if someone hits me with this one day, I'm just going <laughs> to stick it to them. And she did. <laughs> it's my time to shine. It's been sitting there. Like- yeah. I'm just thinking of her like sitting, like lining up for goal. She's got ball in hand and then this dude screams it and she goes, all right, what am I going to do? All while having the pressure of having mm-hmm. to nail the shot first. Like that whole process is super overwhelming for me. I just, like I said, she's she's got more than more brain cells than me to be able to focus on kicking the footy, kicking it well, kicking it straight, and also having the hand-eye coordination to show several numbers. But, nah, we absolutely love it. And like I said, it went gangbusters on social media, and that's the kind of stuff, like, someone will tune in next week to be like, oh, I like that Malloy girl. She's, she's a bit fiery. She's very good at footy but she's got a bit of personality to her as well but let's move on to Sunday's games because these ones were bananas as well Geelong defeating Essendon I don't know why but this was surprising to me I don't know why I had a better feeling about the Bombers but to me this one was surprising is that how you saw it is were you thinking the Bombers finished higher. Did they finish higher, actually? I might be wrong there. But basically, yeah. I thought that the Bombers would maybe be a bit stronger. Not that Geelong would be bad, but I thought the Bombers would be stronger. Is that how you saw it? And what did you see from this game that you liked? Um, no, I thought it would be a pretty even contest. Um, I thought it would be a bit closer, but I I wasn't shocked by Geelong winning. I think they had a really strong start to the season. They just kind of, kind of 
kind of went away in the end. Um, but I thought it was really cool to watch Press Barker's sisters go at it. I thought that was something that was really cool. Um, and I just think they're really silky with their ball movement and um, they've got the right game plan and everything in place. It's just, I think, a matter of a bit more, I guess, experience and stuff for them to go to progress further. So, yeah, I wasn't shocked by the result of this one. Imogen, we spoke or is just mentioned Prosparcus Cup. They both did excellent things as they always do, but it was really Georgie's game and Georgie's time to shine. Obviously, she's fantastic. Who else impressed you in this game? I think <laughs> apart from Georgie, I just thought it was a – I'm not really surprised by – I kind of thought Geelong were going to win. Um on their day, I think they can produce really strong football and I think it's kind of a team brand. Like, Georgie's obviously so silky with her skills and she can just turn a game on its head just with her accuracy at goal. But, yeah, I thought the team, everyone really played their part and I guess that's what contributed to the margin at the end of the day. Sarah, unfortunately, there was an injury for Geelong, Chloe Shear. Um, has done something to her collarbone. I can't remember now off the top of my head, but it means she won't play a part in next or the games coming up this weekend. How massive of a loss is that for Geelong? Oh, it's a huge loss. Um, I think something that we know, Chloe Shear, obviously a very, very important player for them. I think, though, one thing we can take comfort in is that that injury happened pretty early on and they continued to perform and they they still won the game. So I think um, the fact that we know there are players that can come in and fill that Chloe Shear-sized hole um, should be – it is a credit to them and it should be um, comfort for them going into their next clash. Georgie Prasparkas really stood up, but she always does. It's not like um, she had a breakout game. Um, and I know we're, we're talking about the Prasparkas a lot, but – um, I mean, Essendon, they almost had a bit of a disaster. Amber Clark looked like she was going to be gone. Um, like that was a really tough hit when she um, came down. I think it was the second quarter, but she she did come back on. I was shocked that she passed a concussion test, but um, she did um, and came back on. But So I think that was um, probably a good thing for, for Essendon. But um, I think they're going to have to really work on how they fill that gap with Chloe Shear because any opponents that they continue to come up against in the final series um, will be targeting that specific area. But as usual, Georgie Prasparkas was an absolute gun. Her and Maddie seem to both have this, um, like, we don't care what you say, we're just going to play and zone out sort of attitude. And you could even see it on the broadcast um, that they, (laughs) like, they, there was one point where they were walking next to each other and just not acknowledging each other, but both looking really relaxed, really just chilled out, like just so in their own zone. Um, and then there was a moment later, like I just thought that was hilarious, but I get it, you're in your zone. But then there was a moment towards the end of this game where Essendon, and this frustrated me, I'm going on a rant now, but what annoyed me is that Essendon came back and like they were looking like they could have absolutely taken it down to the wire, but they only came back with like 10 minutes to go. And it was so frustrating. I actually said, <laughs> I was I was 
on air, but my mic was off and I was just getting really sassy. I was like, oh, good idea, guys. Like, start coming back now because it was so annoying. Like, they were playing really well and it was like, oh, my God. Like, I can see it's almost like Richmond in their last game. It's like you see a glimmer of what could have been happening the whole game or the whole season and it's almost annoying when you see it right at the end. Um, But there was one point where Maddie kicked that first goal um, and for the fourth quarter and she did come back and give her sister a bit of a nudge. So um, maybe they had a bit of banter about that. (laughs) They seem like the kind of siblings that absolutely would kind of maybe be texting each other throughout the whole week, just little jibes and little snips. And then, as you said, as soon as they see each other on the field, it's like, no, you're. I'm not related to you at all. Actually, you're just another opponent. Um, but yeah, we. I wouldn't want to sit between them at the dinner table. <laughs> I reckon they'd be like kicking each other under the table. <laughs> just Georgie with the make believe Prosparcus cup next to her as they're tucking into dinner. Like I like that as a visual, but no, she was fantastic. But as you said, um, or oh, I think Imo said it actually. It's not like it's a one-woman show. The rest of the cats really kicked on as well. Ash Maloney was ridiculous, had Velcro hands, took eight marks, scored two goals, was really, really impressive. And then the likes of an Amy McDonald and a Nina Morrison just around the midfield with Prosparcus. It's not like they're lesser characters in this midfield. They absolutely hold their own and um, offer up plenty. There was just a lot to like. Um, from this cat side I am a little bit worried with Chloe Shear's absence because I have a bad feeling that they're going to experience something similar to what Gold Coast did where like the first game or part of a game where they don't have um, Gold Coast didn't have Charlie Rowbottom it was fine they got the one the win the second game they didn't have Charlie Rowbottom everything unraveled a little bit so Geelong managed this win, got a really good win without Chloe Shearer in this game, but are they going to be able to back it up in their second game? I'm very interested to see. Yeah, I reckon um, there's something to be and I would actually be really interested to hear what you guys from the player perspective think. I agree with you, Reese. I reckon there is that thing where you come out and you're determined to prove that you can do it without one of your star players and you can fill that gap, but then sometimes it's hard to keep that up. Like you've got this real motivation to prove everyone wrong, um, but it's hard to keep up that real dogged um, covering all bases performance. I don't know if you guys have experienced that um, before, but it it does seem like um, sometimes that does happen when your star player goes and you're like, well, everyone's been talking about how this person's gone, but we can do it without them. But then a couple of weeks later, um, it does get hard to keep up that gap. Um, we had that a couple of weeks ago when we lost to Elise Parker against the Saints and then we're able to beat Carlton the following week. And I guess, yeah, it's because everyone's not really expecting much. I think the pressure kind of goes a little bit because, you know, you lose a star player like that and everyone thinks, oh, well, there's lots of gaps in their game plan. And then the following week we lost to Gold Coast. Um, so, yeah, I definitely believe that the you can put a Band-Aid over it the, the first week, but then the second week it's kind of like, all right, um, I guess we've kind of been found, we can be found out about, found out a little bit in this next following week. I haven't been in the exact same position. We did have a few injuries, well, a lot of injuries this year. Um, But I guess, yeah, we still, nothing really 
kind of went to plan for us this year at all. I mean, last year when we lost Bree and Britta, but that was kind of like we played the whole season without them. Um, so, the, again, a bit of a different scenario, but I think the belief kind of has to be from the whole team and you can't just have a few people thinking, oh, like we can still do it. Everyone's kind of got to buy into the game plan in order to fill in those gaps that are obviously missing from your star players because they're on the team to, to, to do a job essentially. So you're missing that kind of cog in the puzzle. Um, but, yeah, I think it's an interesting trend that you guys have picked up here. question says I love the the unexpected questions um but let's round out this chat with the final game of the week and the most ridiculous game of the week to be fair North Melbourne 50 Melbourne 9 is my official kind of answer um on social media and on like the AFLW website <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, there was a lot of chat about, is this North Melbourne's greatest ever win? Because we've spoken a lot about it, how they don't really show up against the other flag contenders. Um, their record against Melbourne in particular has been atrocious. They hadn't beaten them since 2019, which is insane. That was a long time ago now. So I pose the question to you, Sarah, can have first crack at it. Is this North Melbourne's greatest ever AFLW win? Yes. <laughs> Next question. No, it is. It's it's so <laughs> Oh, sure. Um, it is. It is so significant. It is so exciting for them, but also for the league in general. And I think it's very I think it's going to be a very significant game burned into the memories of the Melbourne players too because there is nothing more exciting for everyone apart from the players on the Melbourne list than seeing them be put on notice and them realise that they're not a shoe-in, they haven't got it in the bag and they are going to have to absolutely bring their best footy and that is fantastic for the league, it's fantastic for finals, for spectators. Um, I love it. And what was really exciting about um, North Melbourne's game is that they all stood up. Obviously, um, there was a few players that that really stood out. It was sort of the usuals. Um, but everyone else really worked out how to get them the ball, to work around them the best. Um, they, uh, I, It was just a beautiful, a beautiful thing to watch. Um, and... It scared Melbourne, which is a good thing because they haven't had that at all this season. And um, I did pose the question to a couple of their players, do you think that maybe the opposite has happened as to what has happened with teams like Sydney and North Melbourne is that they're going in with no expectation? Do you think you guys went in with, you know, you've been told that you're shoe-ins for the flag all year and you went in not thinking that this is one you'll lose? And you might have taken it a bit for granted. And they, a couple of them said yes. A couple of them said they still absolutely played their hardest, which I'm sure they did. But um, it was, I think it was more of a case, and I feel bad saying this, possibly at times more of a case of Melbourne playing badly than North Melbourne really stepping up their performance. But 
um, that's finals footy. So if you can't get over that hurdle of that mental load, and I think something that we did see is initially it was that, and then Melbourne were just stunned and they couldn't um, they couldn't recover from it mentally. So, um, I mean, obviously they've got another chance, but again, maybe that's not such a blessing because um, maybe you sort of sit back on your heels and maybe um, the time you give players or um, the squad that you put out on the park, maybe that's different if um, you do have another chance, but um that's going to have given North Melbourne a lot of confidence and I just absolutely love to see it. I think, I mean, if I was North, I would be taking that with me for the rest of my life. But it's also interesting, like, from a player's kind of perspective, like, I'm really interested to know what was said at quarter times because it's not like Melbourne have been put in that position before ever really or for a long, long time. So like you said, like they wouldn't have the kind of attitude or I guess mindset just ready in their back pocket to kind of whip out in these kind of scenarios because they haven't experienced it before. So I wonder if that was also a part of the reason why they didn't really come back as strong as they have because traditionally like Melbourne pile on their goals in like a short period of time. It's usually they put on goals in a quarter or so and that kind of puts them in the lead and kind of gives the opposition too far to come. But, yeah, we just didn't see them. They never really looked like they had momentum and I wonder if it was kind of a mindset thing and lack of practice in those high pressure, like what the hell is going on kind of situations. I'd have paid good money to hear what Daisy Pierce was saying <laughs> watching that game. Like, I I would love to have heard um, what advice she would have given if she still was in that captaincy position. Because again, it's something that they've not experienced before, and they are um, obviously without her for the first time this season and um, she's just such a huge part of that cog in their finals experience and I would pay good money to um, hear what she was barking at the TV um, when that was happening. We'll move into some semi-final kind of previews and I'll go to you first is just like how do Melbourne after a really bad loss because that's what it was how do they approach this week? How do they kind of reset and think to themselves, all right, Geelong now, how 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 do they approach this week is the question I was trying to get out there. Um, I think Melbourne's such a well-run side that I and something they do well is they, despite any team they're playing as they teach, ugh, despite any team they are playing, they treat them all with so much respect. So I think maybe maybe it's the kick up the arse they needed for finals and it's lucky because they do have a second chance. It's not a prelim. But I think, um, yeah, 100% agree. I think, like, bad football is probably what cost them most in the end. And I think, um, yeah, they'll just have to face Geelong. I um, just go back to the basics and try to sort of also forget about last week as much as you can because you don't want it to scar it for you moving forward. Imogen, do you expect this to be a close contest between the Cats and the Ds? Because my first thought is 
Melbourne should be better than the Cats. Yeah, I agree. I think if Melbourne can successfully get back to their game style and what they've been able to produce relatively consistently over the season thus far, they should well and truly run over Geelong. But it's finals footy and I guess as we've seen in the past week, anything can happen. Um, So, yeah, I'm not – I would say if I had to put money on it, but, you know, you can never be too sure. Says if you can pinpoint it, what what do the Cats need to do to bring it up to Melbourne? Like working to the assumption that Melbourne are back to their kind of terrifying best from earlier in the season. What do the Cats need to do to actually put it up to them and maybe get a win here? Yeah, well, I think essentially they need to, if we're working on the assumption that, yeah, they go back to, they revert back to what they were before last week, um, they just need to focus on Eden Zanker and Kate Hoare and make sure that they're not stacking on the goals because that is um, just absolutely what they do. They, I think it was the first fourth quarter that they've lost all season um, last week. So, um like even if Melbourne, which I don't think would be, but uh, are behind at three quarter time, they just come out and they and that's a lot of the time like where they they just don't lose, they just refuse to lose, and they come out in the fourth quarter and just stack on the goals. So I think obviously um, the person with the most goals at the end of the game wins, but I think that forward line is really where they need to focus on. Um, but Geelong are very strong defensively, so if they have a good day, um, they really could. You know, and Melbourne have had a fright, so that could go in two ways, um, one or two ways. It could really hit their confidence, or they could come out and be raring to really show them who's boss. But as we mentioned, Geelong are without Chloe Shear, which um, is a hit to them, um, sort of defensively, I guess. Um, so yeah, they'll but they'll have to focus on those two because one of the most bizarre things for me um, in their game against North Melbourne was that Kate Hoare and Eden Zanker weren't in the goal square. So, um, and that was just something that made a huge, huge difference. It's obviously what North were focusing on. So um, if Geelong do that, then Melbourne might need to be um, a bit frightened. But, I mean, it's interesting because that's not groundbreaking. <laughs> like that's Everyone knows that's what you need to do and that's what teams have been trying to do all year. But, um, yeah, I think North were just the ones that did it. But I dare say... Um, knowing Melbourne and the way that they operate, um, we all know they're pissed off and I do think that they will come back fighting. So in our other semi-final, it's the Crows and the Swans. I said before we started recording, and I, I feel mean saying it, but I do fear this is what's going to happen. I'm really worried it's going to be a bloodbath. For Sydney, I'm worried the Crows are just going to be like, um, I suppose, pissed off to borrow what you've just said. They're going to be like, we probably should have been having the week off. We probably didn't need to be playing this weekend. And the Swans are going to unfortunately bear the brunt of that kind of anger and frustration. Do any of you see the Swans um, not? getting annihilated I feel so mean every time I say it but like do you see the Swans putting up a fight in this contest or are you expecting one-way traffic from Adelaide any of you can I'm expecting one-way traffic from Adelaide 
But it's not that, even if it is, I think the Swans should be really proud of their season. Like, I don't think any of us expected to them to win more than three games this year, and they did. And for their young players to go and face a team like Adelaide, and they've already spoken, like, you know, it's not about just making finals, it's about, you know, winning in finals as well, and they've done that. And to then face a team like Adelaide, who's done it all, I think it'll be a really great learning experience. But, no, I think I think Adelaide's too good. And it's also in Adelaide, which... Yeah. Yeah, I I do really want to see the Swans put up a fight. I think they might be able to do it for a quarter. I'm not sure about four quarters. Um, but I have to agree with Isadora that the Adelaide Crows are probably going to soar past the Swans in this one. Um, but Dawes also makes an excellent point as – any finals footy is like you can take such great learnings from it and because it is such a young side, it's a direction towards educating around footy and the kind of situations that present themselves when you're playing for keeps. Says are you also on the um the bandwagon? <laughs> Yeah, I thought you might like just <laughs> not ask me and then I didn't feel like we were like hurting onto them. But yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of it, objectively, they are the better team. I think the only time that we would have ever questioned this result is because of last week's results. But Adelaide are far more prolific. Um, they, and if they also, as I said before, it's a different game. Finals footy is a different game to the home and away season. But Adelaide, have that experience and um, and the Swans don't. So um, I think, yeah, sadly, it's also just that fatigue um, side of things. Like Adelaide, just their depth is much higher and you can't depend on a few key players like Sydney are um, to really carry you through. So I think the depth of Adelaide and their finals experience is is going to carry them through. I hope it's not a bloodbath, um, but as as we know, um, the Crows have more finals experience than anyone. Their list has barely changed. The Swans don't have that advantage of, of having played together as a full list for a really long time. Um, so, yeah, sadly, my tip is the Adelaide Crows. Yeah, like I think it's – I hope that it's a good, another good weekend of footy. I hope we do get – at least some closeness because I do think there is a fear of some blowouts but it's going to be great we know that you know finals footy is always excellent and obviously then we will move into prelims as well so there's plenty to be excited about I reckon next week we will talk about the grand final seeding quirk that has emerged um this week because we'll have a better kind of idea of um the actual teams involved but yeah there has been some interesting changes to the seeding that apparently weren't there at the start of the season but like I said we'll get into that one next week um for now don't forget to put your tips in make sure you get all of your footy goodness over on espn.com.au we've got some articles about whose stocks are rising after week one. We've got a great article about North Melbourne and just how massive this win was for them. So there's plenty over there to check out, but we'll talk to you all next week. 
Don't miss another episode of the ESPN Footy Pod by subscribing wherever you stream your podcasts.